common techniques for avoiding relationship. I love this one. I saw I actually saw a friend in action with this one recently. Being the friend. As a friend of mine who I also treats sometimes, very sexy woman in her old, you know, late 40s. She's she feels old, but she's like she looks like 20 something, but she feels old. So she had this really young guy up in the country, an attractive guy, come up to her. What does she do? What she always does? Hey man, how can I help you out? The guy is like totally into her. This guy like loves her. He, she's the buddy giving tips, if you want to move to New York, I'll show you, I'm going to take you to museums. I'm a... Being the friend is a very nice technique to diffuse the energy, right? So can you guys relate to that thing, places where we kind of become the friend with people? The sexual urge comes up, but oh, it's too scary, so I'm going to be the friend. And then these are the stories, I'm too old. This guy is too young, this is what I was talking about. So the guy is like, whatever, 10 years younger. I mean, like, get into it, get your feet wet. You don't have to marry the guy. Go on three dates. Examine it, see what it's like without telling a story about it. This is the future father of my children, or like this guy's a psychopath and will end up in Rikers. There's a big <laughs> wide gray area in the middle. Practice, practice. Now, one of the things that's really important if you're trying to get into a relationship and you're not in a relationship now, practice with your friends. I'm not saying fuck your friends, I'm saying, <laughs> which is fine, but I'm saying, Practice with your friends. I know some of you here practice with your friends, but I'm talking about practice with your friends. Practice vulnerability. Practice opening up. Practice like, can I have a glass of water? Practice those little things that actually we never do in relationship. Practice not being manipulative. Like we're master manipulators, you know? Instead of telling, hey man, you want to go to a movie? Going like, oh, there's some good movies out there, huh? Seen any movies recently? Just ask the guy, hey, you want to go to a movie? It's amazing the little ways that we hide. So pay attention to those things. Because which part? Sleeping with your friends? Or? No, no, no. Uh, the thing about turning things into friends. Yes. Or becoming that person. Yes. Or that happening, having something be really intense and then being like, oh, let's just be friends. Yes. But isn't there something about, if you're a person that's addicted to intensity, mm -hmm. isn't there something good about surrendering into friendship and then isn't no, the basis that's, that's, of all relationship friendship? That's a beautiful question. I wasn't clear enough. So when I'm saying being a friend, I'm talking about being a friend in a manipulative way. If me and you just met each other, we can gently walk into a friendship. In this example that I gave you, this woman just met this guy. This guy was interested in her. It was a party. And right away she went into being as if We've been mates for years, and we do this very intimate thing. Hey, you want the key to my house? You want to drive my car? You want to do this? We've known each other. Me and Graham have known each other for a long time. We can have that relationship because he is my mate. But it's different than somebody that I just met. So when you go into it that deeply, actually, if you're... Yes. If you want to be in a relationship, you have to start from friendship. We're going to get into that next. But the friendship I'm talking about is how you get into it as presenting yourself as like the Messiah. I mean, and it feels good to be on the receiving end of that, right? I've never had that experience because I'm a control freak, so I'm into helpless people. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not even going to recognize that person. But I hear it's a cool experience. I look, I'm like, that, that must be nice. You know, somebody comes and gives you everything. Hey, man, let's be friends. It right away throws the other person off. Now, a part of that is the mixed message thing, right? The mixed message thing is this is another very common way that we hide. So it's like, hey, man, you're awesome. Hey, what's up? 
Man, you, you, beautiful eyes, man. You got gorgeous eyes. Hey, you want to go have a beer later? Right? So we do this thing where we're like, we flirt, we, and then we're just like, pull away. I see this all the time with people. It's so interesting. Like when I um, go out to like restaurants and stuff, I amuse myself sometimes. Not, you know, not by like being rude, but I kind of look at how people interact. And I just observe the dishonesty that we all do. I, that's a very common one. So if I go to a place, a restaurant where like, it's a date place where people go date, it's amazing watching that dance. Like people a little bit and then they kind of pull away. They do a little bit and they kind of pull away. And remember, sex is a commodity. So we exchange, not having sex, although that's also a commodity, we exchange a sexual energy as a way of kind of pulling people in and pushing them away. And these feelings change, right? So I kind of pull him in, and, if, and I really, in that moment, I really want to be attracted to this person. He gets a little bit close, I get scared, and I push him away. Then we're going to talk about that pattern, which in relationships is a very common one, the dance. Well, let's talk about that now. Yes? Yes? Mm-hmm. Because it's a distinction, I guess, that I want to understand. So for me, I wouldn't want to be with someone who smokes, not because it's out of judgment, but to me that's a sign. I, I don't want to be with someone who just isn't treating themselves lovingly enough, mm-hmm. so they're poisoning themselves. Mm-hmm. So to me, mm-hmm. so what were you saying? So what if they smoke? Um, so let me say this to you. <coughs> Bullshit. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because, because, let me tell you, in my experience, in my experience of sitting day in day out with people, some of the most cruel people are people who are spiritual. They torture themselves by the way they eat. They tear their bodies up doing their martial arts or yoga practice. You can't say that the person just because they smoke is self-destructive. We're all self-destructive. What if I'm a smoker and you meet me and you educate me? You go, hey, Abdi, you know, man, that's really not cool for your lungs. And I'm like, you know, man, I never thought about that. Thank you. So what about that part? So what I'm saying is by going and right away cutting that thing off, explore it. explore it. Explore it. Yeah, you know what? It's like not really fun sucking face with someone who smokes. I, I hear you on that. But to say that this potential can exist between us. And I see that all the time. So they can genuinely be where you meet someone and they're smoking and you're like, this person is self-destructive. That's different. That's you saying, I don't want to be in a relationship because this person is self-destructive. That's different than this person is smoking. Okay. Intention behind it, the smoking. Right? Some people really need grounding with smoking. I mean, you know, I'm not saying like, obviously it's insane to smoke, right? You know, blah, blah, blah. But, but really examine the stuff underneath it. These judgments is the way we kind of turn the judgments on us. Okay? Did I kind of answer your question there? Um, Ah, this is a good one. Undermining the potential partner by fucking their best friend, by double dating. This is an amazing thing that I see all the time. People come in, they're like, man, I met this great guy, I met this great woman, gay or straight. This is a very common thing, just it's a human behavior. They really get excited. And unconsciously, they go on that business trip and they open up the door with someone else. Remember, whether you're in a relationship or not, the person that you're starting to get involved with feels everything. So regardless of like what the words are, flowery, hey, uh, they, they're somewhere else, boom, they're going like, whoa, what just happened? So watch that part that kind of throws that and breaks the glass on that level. Yes? I have a question about your, when you say that you're in a relationship with a person who like feels everything. Mm-hmm. What if that realization is driving you crazy? Okay, so the question is, 
I said that the other person feels everything. So let me actually qualify that statement by saying the other person feels everything unconsciously, not consciously. But the fact that it drives you crazy means you're actually not living it from your own center. You're living it from the other person's center. The biggest gift you can give another human being, this is what we're all being called out to do, is to figure out who you are and live from that. Right? So if my truth is, I have to come here today and sit with you people and share this energy with you, and it pisses my wife off, I can't help that it pisses my wife off. That's something that needs to be dealt with between us. I have to follow my truth. I don't come here because it pisses my wife off because on a Sunday I'm sitting down and talking. I will punish her. So understand, when you don't live your truth, you will punish people. This is a good thing for caretakers. A lot of you are here on a Sunday, there's beautiful people with beautiful hearts. I guarantee you, you all have some kind of caretaking thing going on. When you dishonor yourself, you will punish. So if so it drives you crazy, you're externally referent. You're not internally referent. All right? It's a really... I race, I race, kind of uh, used to race motorcycles and cars. An amazing thing you see when you're racing. You'll be on a racetrack, doesn't matter, cars, bikes, dirt bikes, street bikes. One guy goes off and two riders follow him off. You're like, that's the craziest thing. It's called um, uh, target fixation. You fixate on a car in front of you or the bike in front of you. The road's totally open. But instead of looking at the road, you're looking at this guy go off and you follow him. It's like the wildest thing to watch. Most of us have that target fixation. We're fixated on our partner instead of being fixated on ourselves, right? So for me as a caretaker, that was a big thing. Oh, like, I really can't go this weekend and race because my, my, my girl is sick and, you know. If I had been like, you know what, I understand. I'm going to ask my friend John to come and take care of you. I'm going out for two days because I need that for my sanity. So my relationship now, because I do that and my partner does that, doesn't mean sometimes I get hurt. I'm like, I really want my wife to come up with me or, or check this thing out. But if she says no, I don't punish her because I know it'll bring us closer. I'll have a discussion. I would like for you to come up. She might be like, yeah, it's not interesting to me. I have to sit with my wounded child. But like, it's okay. But we need to do this because this is our thing. So the punishment thing is the other flip side of that. Does that answer your question? Internally referent, not externally. Okay. We can go on and on and on, but you kind of get the ideas of how we all cop out of it. So to answer your question, sit a couple of minutes, earlier question about what do we do. Sit a couple of minutes with your intent. You want to be in a relationship, you're not in a relationship, sit with your intent. Be honest with a part of you that's afraid. Take little steps in your life to be vulnerable. Little steps. Doesn't mean you go to your boss and ask for a higher raise in this economy because you might get fired. That's like maybe too big extreme thing. But with friends, with people where it's safe, take a little bit of a gamble with things. Absolutely. From my end, I work on that. How can I help my, the person on the other side not to find an excuse for him to reject me? You can't do anything about the other person. The focus just has to be on you. Are you asking about how the other person... Because if he's afraid as well, can I right. do something to... All you can do is work on yourself. Are you talking about being in a relationship? When you meet someone, like you, you know there's a connection, but like you, you're helpless. Learn like how to. Uh, you're helpless. You should to, like, excuse your fear. I mean, to, uh, Great question. She's asking when you meet someone. So what do you do if the other person has these issues? You're helpless there. All you can do is practice your own being in a power. Either that person steps up, or the person doesn't step up. You're helpless. That's a very common thing, and then people try to make the other person something they're not, and it's never a happy ending. 
And that can last 20 years, that can last 30 years, it can last two minutes. Sort of indirectly to what you're saying, if one person is changing in a relationship, the other person either faces up or doesn't. So your focus is on you. But again, I would say to you, don't focus on that person. What part of you has attracted someone? You're 50%. You're not responsible for that person. What is your 50%? Right? So the other 50% maybe will show up, maybe it won't show up. Clear on that? Um, so put yourself out there consciously. Like one of the things now with all these dating things and people hate it and they're like judge. It's amazing how many people that I treat now have actually met their partners on these dating sites. Beautiful. We're in a really isolated culture. Practice. I'm not saying get on there and get married in two seconds. Whatever your thing is, you know, J-date, whatever it is, that. Just get out there and practice. Go on one date and practice. What is the kind of people you're pulling in? What is the kind of energy? Tell your friends. Can you set me up on some dates? Go on, it's about practicing, right? It's about practicing. You're only going to do it by getting out there and practicing. Um, watch out for your obsessions. So this thing that I was telling you about where I get like the call from the friend, hey man, can you tell me this? Give me a read on this thing. It's like as soon as that happens, run the other way. Because you're, you're shooting up. It's not allowing it to happen. What's yours will come to you. Because of this duality thing, we don't trust. The words can be as flowery as they want. You don't trust someone two feet away. You won't even trust them as far as you can throw them. Take responsibility, watch the obsession thing. So the whole thing, I'm going to throw six cards on this, pull some tarot cards, throw some runes, I Ching, like already you're off. Already you're off because the obsession thing is kicking in, which, which we all have on that level. I'm sure none of you know what it's about. Um, so take it slow. Here's another one. Having sex right away confuses everything. If you're seriously interested in someone, hold off from having sex with them because this sex comes in, it confuses it. I'm not talking morality here. You want to hook up with someone, more power to you. Do it honestly, do it cleanly, do it safely. If you're really interested in someone, as you step in closer, the second you have sex with them, the system goes crazy because all the crazy stuff. It sounds like common sense. It's a very powerful way to throw grenades into the relationship. Everybody does it. Um, then I talked about having your friends meet your potential partner. So if your last three boyfriends or girlfriends end up in Rikers, probably a good idea that you sort of have a friend check out this one, going like, no, she's really lovely. The fact that she's got this rap sheet, probably not a good idea on this fourth one. So I would hold back. Nothing against ex-cons. They can be very cool and reform, but pay attention. Okay, so you're in a relationship and you're repeating the patterns that you consciously want to break. What are some good ways do you think that you can kind of change that? For those of you already in relationship. Any ideas? I love it. This is like high school, like I'd never answered. Go ahead. Beautiful. Be aware of yourself in the moment and what choice you want to make. So, you give your power over the relationship. So your partner says, hey, you want to go to dinner? Sure. Then you go like, no, actually I'm exhausted. No, I don't want to go to dinner. Sounds very simple. Learn, instead of having a power struggle, to be honest in the moment. Remember, it's not pleasant. When you're already in a relationship and you start changing patterns, it's not pleasant. But if you don't do it, it's going to end up in a break. Whether the break you're together or the break that you're actually uh, separating from each other, it doesn't matter. We're not here to be in relationship for the rest of our lives. I'm so sorry. That's okay. 
Don't worry, we're all going to get up and beat you now. Um, <laughs> see the energy? It's amazing. The, 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 that happens every time I do it. And like everyone's energy, because people's fear of their own imperfections. Because it happens with you, so we all get into this like tightened thing of lack of control. Like, <sighs> so it's like, yeah, dude, it's a phone. This is not a play. We can stop. It's okay. Um, pay attention to the places where we compromise. So going back to your question of being in an 18-year marriage, People say this all the time to me, in relationship you have to compromise. That's something that's not comfortable for me when I hear that. I'm not saying be a hard ass and like punch your husband or lover out, but compromise is not a right word. Be honest. So sometimes it is a compromise. It turns out to be like, you know, man, you got to clean some more diapers. You're not pulling your weight here. I've been doing this all day. But work from a place of truth. Obviously it gets more complicated when there's children involved. I'm not saying this is an easy thing. But to me, a lot of people have this thing like, well, we've been married, you know, 15 years. We've been in a relationship 20 years. It's like, so what? Have you been honest in that or not? It's not a badge of honor. I used to be so embarrassed. So when my wife left me, it was my 40th birthday. And one of my mates threw this, like, huge birthday party for me. So I had, like, friends from when I was 18 coming to celebrate. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a healer. And my wife just dumped my ass. <laughs> like, that was really... And I'm just seeing a friend go through it now. And it's so powerful, but it's so beautiful because... When life humbles you, that's the real spirituality. My years of sitting Zen and meditating and martial arts, that was preparation for that moment. When I say to you, like, I had a nervous breakdown, I'm a strong motherfucker. For me to have a nervous breakdown, it takes a lot. That was my higher self's gift to me on my 40th birthday. I would have prepared a Ferrari, would have been nicer, granted, <laughs> but this went a lot further. So... When we get on a spiritual path, we are like, our ego is like, it's going to be great, man. Thank you. Yeah, this is great. It's, it's like the you that's on that spiritual path is going to get crushed. It's not real, that you, but because you're so identified with it, it's not going to be pleasant. I forget how this is worded. You know, you know the Baha'i faith? Um, the person who started that, that faith, beautiful, beautiful soul, he used to say, paraphrased in very poor English, but I love you, because I love you, I'm very happy for your suffering. So this is the thing that's happening to all of us right now. We're getting crushed. But the weed that's getting crushed is the shell that's stopping from the love coming in. So we're all resistant to it. Ask for it to happen faster. This makes it more painful. It's like kind of going to a cold bath. You're like, the toe comes in, the toe goes out, the toe comes Dive in. Make that intent all the time. Purify. Take away whatever doesn't serve me. Burn away whatever doesn't serve me. Help me remember who I am. Okay? Also, I, mean, I think that a shift happens in your expectation of mm -hmm. what a successful relationship is. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things that I tried, somebody told me once that I thought was very wise is, is one where you actually like yourself in the relationship. It's the if only way. you're like, and you're feeling... You know, and one of the interesting things for me being married so long is seeing honestly when I'm using my marriage as a distraction yeah. at, from, you know, fighting or sure. it's his fault or sure. resentments. Sure. And it's like that to me is a 50%. It's like, and it's very liberating in some ways when you're like actually in a marriage and you can say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about whether I'm staying in it or not, I'm just going to work on myself, that's you know? All, that's all you can do. That's what I'm saying. So that's yeah. what I was saying before. Beautiful what you're saying. 
But you, you can't do anything but that. Yeah. This is what, the time about now, your job, your marriage, your lifestyle, your health, at the best of times you have no control over it, you really have no control over it. All you can do is see how much integrity you have in the moment. And when one person gets the information in the relationship, both people are getting it. So beautiful what you're saying, the thing of being in a relationship, being out, you can't control things. Forget about control. And you joke about, who would I complain about if I was living with myself? Well, I'd have to complain about myself, you know? Yeah, but, but it is yourself, right? Because the relationship, this is the reason it's the most powerful spiritual path. I'm enlightened when I'm by myself. When I'm with my wife, whoa, I just see like, I got to get that shovel and start shoveling some shit out because like, I didn't realize there was a whole barn back there with an ass that happens to be me in it, shitting all over the place. So absolutely. But ultimately, what can you control? You can't even control yourself. You can just pay attention to your response and out of that, be accountable to yourself. That's all you can do. So we're in agreement. We're not, we're not saying anything different there. Um, so... Going to your point, take responsibility for your 50%, right, 50-50. And this is also friendships right now, right? It's not just like love relationships. And here's the other thing. For those of you who are in relationship, or those of you who are actually in relationship and breaking up, go to a couples therapist. Go to a couples therapist when things are good. It's like go for three sessions. I'm not saying go sign up for the rest of your life. It's amazing. For me, as like the guy who would call the fire department when everything was burned to the ground and TNT had gone off and the paint cans were exploding, it's such a concept to actually have an alarm system in there and to have like a little fire and a fire extinguisher, which is like, it blows my mind every time. Every once in a while, I have this great couples person that I work with and I go with my wife and we're doing great and we come outside and it's just the love is so much deeper and it's like, holy shit, we actually were a little disconnected there. And then we forget about it again. And then to force yourself to go in. So don't just call the fire department when things are three alarm blitz. Put Invest in yourself. We don't put any energy into this stuff. We think it just happens like that. And it's the deepest and the most convoluted thing. So work on that. If you're breaking up on the same level, do it in a way consciously so at least you can start a couple of steps ahead in the next relationship. You don't repeat the same pattern. With me on that? I'm not trying to sell therapists here, because um, a lot of them are crazy, we know. Okay, so, common manipulation techniques within the relationship. So you're already in a relationship, and some of the ways that we manipulate the other stuff. So we kind of hit on that. Um, the beggar, the victim. So like that thing, like, oh, I can't believe she's doing this to me. I can't believe she's this. I got to do all these things. Where's your 50%? What part of you needs your partner to be exactly the way they are? She'll never work. He never works. I got to support him. I see this all the time. The control freak thing. People really are control freaks. We're all control freaks. Needing your partner to stay the same. It's amazing how I see the words come out of people's mouths and their actions are 180 degrees the other way. I really need my husband to work. He's such a lazy ass. Here's five grand. You take care of yourself this month. I really need my husband to take care of the kids. Taking care of the diapers after working 10 hours with some psycho boss. I see these patterns all the time. Why? It's easier to be in control than to actually give up a little bit of control. A really cool thing to practice. I was going to actually do it today, but because of like this flu thing and all that, I don't want to be like, get people calling me, they gave me swine flu. <laughs> a great experience to have in a group setting is to get some raisins or whatever, um, hits of acid back in the day, and to actually give it to the other person. 
right? So we would sit here, total stranger, and I would actually get a raisin, and you would take it out of my hand. It sounds so simple, right? You would get so angry in two or three seconds. You'd be smiling because we're all spiritual, and we're like, thank you, Sam, thank you. And the second one, you're like, damn it, man, this guy just doesn't put it in my mouth right. Then it's like, his hands are cold. I wonder where his hands have been. This just goes on. So practice this with a friend. You think I'm kidding? A great thing is, sit down, have somebody feed you five bites. Five bites. So you sit with a friend. If you have a partner, do it with your partner because it brings up stuff. Have the person cut the food, put it in your mouth. You want to go a little bit, uh, nine and a half on it, close your uh, eyes. Right? So you do a little, that even freaks you out more because once a sensory deprivation happens, the control stuff is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't get near me. This is where you're going to see where your fear is. But it's a great practice to do in, in relationships or with friendships, just to practice see how to control you are. It's kind of like going back to that baby state with the mother and never getting it perfectly. Beautiful. And, and the parent, you see, none of us had, I mean, I can say this just being a therapist so many years, none of us have the perfect parent, but even if you had the most perfect parent, you can never get the need met because that infant needs everything 110% a certain way. It's just not going to happen. Right? Go ahead. Sure. Great question. So the negative pleasure, we can talk about that all day. <laughs> so let me give you an example. Um, as a kid, my mother was sick, so she couldn't really take care of me. So I'm helpless as a kid, right? So when I'm helpless and I'm in that place of helplessness, I have to attach pleasure to that helplessness. Because as a child, it's not the man sitting in front of you. If I'm helpless tonight and my wife doesn't take care of me if I'm sick. I'm like, yeah, okay, she's busy. As a child, your life depends on that. The adult here can nod her head. You have to really drop into it. You're helpless. So right now, both your legs and hands are broken. There's a fire in here. You can't move. It's that urgency. So I have to attach pleasure to that because otherwise my little psyche can't survive it. So then it becomes pleasurable for me because I attach my sexual connection to it of like, wow, this is actually a pleasant experience. Now, either I can carry that as an adult and be in that helplessness because it's pleasurable, or in my case, I'm not even going to do that. I'm going to hand it over to my partner. So that's like too much of a hot potato. So I'm like, hey, bro, yeah, carry that helplessness for me because I, I don't want to do anything to do with that. <laughs> so then he carries the helplessness for me, and then I punish him for it because I actually am afraid. So it gets very complicated down the road, the iterations of where he can go. The initial thing is, you have an unpleasant experience. Your mind at that young age, your body can't survive it because your existence depends on it. You attach the only thing that you have pleasure, which is the erotic principle. So you sexualize it. That's why when we get older, you get attracted to that helpless partner because your unconscious is trying to repeat it. Punch in negative pleasure, um, if you're interested in this. To me, it's a very profound thing. And Eva Paracas will come up and read about it. You've got to read it a hundred times. It's pretty poorly written, but it's very important. That can I answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can ask me more if uh, you want. Any questions? Yeah. Uh, uh, this is something that happens, or that I do constantly. I go to, I get all dolled up, I go somewhere, I go to a museum, I go to an event where I think, oh, there's many interesting men here. I get there, and I'm like, oh, I'm into this, and I'm all like this, you know. So let's say I recognize that I'm doing that mm-hmm. in the moment, mm-hmm. then what do I do? So, so this is actually great. So what she's saying is she's taking the external actions. She wants to meet someone. She's showing up at places, but then 
the judgment kicks in and the right people aren't there. You've got to set the intention more properly. Right? It's like having an architect come in and you sort of have one idea of how you want your house to be because you want an Indian style and he's into this art deco thing and all of a sudden you're in Miami circa 1950 and you're going like, yo, that's a little old, man. I'm not into that. So you sit with the intention. It's very common for people to go through the actions. We'll go to the 12-step dance meeting. We'll go to the club. We get set up on dates. But then that disappointment happens. Pull back. Sit down with yourself, set the intent. So if that's me, I will sit with myself and say, show me. I'm really blind here. I want my inner knowingness to show me where is this place that I'm blind. Show me where this fear is. Because obviously what I'm saying and what I'm experiencing are not connected. Now, keep a book next to your bed. You might be shown something in a dream. One of the things that's really amazing right now, the veil is very thin between here and here, like what, that's why all these magical things are kind of happening, more synchronicities, as well as these unpleasant things. So answers come more quickly. Your consciousness wants to be healed. Right now, in my experience, never before has there been such a wanting from your consciousness to awaken. It'll give you the tools, but you have to ask for it. It is a free will universe. Not in sort of the secret way, hey man, I'm just going to, or how the Buddhists used to chant for things. But in terms of if you're really genuinely, which I believe you are, wanting to know, it'll be shown to you. Ask. Really ask. Sit down, quiet yourself, ask. And keep asking for clarity. I hear this, but this is happening. Why? I hear this, but it's happening. Why? Because you can go through all the actions, nothing can happen. And remember, when you're ready, it happens. It comes to you. You don't even have to go. We have this thing, I'll go out and do it. It's, it'll come to you, or you'll just get, oh, I need to go to this dance or to this party, and you'll show up. We're all terrified. Um, intuition. Yeah? Why is it so sharp? Pretty much every single aspect of life, except that one. Beautiful question. I mean, it comes in later. Yes. But it's delayed. And yes. It's delayed, and, and so much time and action. And well, words and hindsight action. is 20 Right. Remember you, because the part of you that's saying no to it, will actually get the wrong message. So intuition is useless here till you get a little bit healthier. Do you know what I'm saying? If I'm a, okay, if I'm a drug addict, my intuition might be like, hey man, really don't go into that building because there's dope. I'm going to go into that building where it's dope because I want to get high. So my intuition might be perfect in terms of coming out of a place where there's going to be a shooting and not get out of the car and somebody gets shot. But my intuition when it comes to it, because you want to get high, what is your high? I don't want to get involved with someone. So your intuition is totally blank there. So you have that dead spot. You, you, any of you use your cell phones, your GPS, and you go upstate or you go somewhere and it just stops working? You can have the best 3GS, ma 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 ma. It's not going to work there. So this is the place where intuition is not going to work. That's the dead cell zone because of your wounding. So you go into this darkness area. So intuition is very dangerous to depend on on that level until you get healthier. Now, I don't know if you would call this intuition. One of the ways it works is actually in the negative. Because my intuition can be like, oh, this woman is really a perfect person for me. Run the other way. Because the experience has been, this is not healthy, this is not healthy, this is not healthy. So intuition doesn't really work on that level until you get healthier. Yes? I think also with intuition, uh, your intuition can be telling you, oh, this is really cool, this feels amazing. But then there's this, um, there's a fantasy element 
with your what you want, and if your intuition's saying, wait a minute, this is this is not feeling good, but oh, he's so good looking, and he feels another fantasy, then you'll stuff your intuition. Beautiful. So Beautiful. That, Which is the same thing with like what we, we were talking about before. So you do the tarot guy, and you call the woman that reads your cards, because you're trying to force the thing. Now, here's an important thing about this fantasy thing. One of the really powerful ways to see where you're at is examine your fantasy life. Sexual fantasy life, examine it. Like, not the part that tells the story, really go into your fantasy life. Because a lot of your woundings will come out there. So, some of us have this sadistic thing. Some of us have this masochistic thing. I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I don't know, like 15 years ago, I was in this uh, relationship workshop. And there was this really powerful native Indian woman teaching the workshop. And she was like, okay, I want you to write your fantasies. Like, you know, dark fantasies. So I'm like, of course, psycho man. I'm like, yeah, dark chain. It was like basement, hell, fire, <laughs> hot sex. And you got to write it down and you got to read it. And there's this like biker guy next to me. It's like 200 pound, hairy, a bear of a man. And he starts reading. He's like, and then the glistening water dropping off the goddesses. And I'm going like, whoa, I'm really sick. I'm like, I'm like how am I going to like get out of this thing? And the woman was like, bullshit. That's not what I'm talking about. That's a, do- a Dove commercial. That's not fantasy. I was like, oh, check this out. <laughs> right? Because in that, that's where it's going to come out. Right? So for me, it's going to, of course, have like power issues. Because as a kid, I was powerless. So my sexual fantasy is going to show me where I was off. So outside, I can be smiling and be a healer and all that. But there's a rage of hol- psychopath underneath there. That's the guy I got to deal with. The healer, that's cool. Once that crazy guy gets integrated inside, and that's a split in most of us. And that's where the intuition is like, which part is getting the intuition? And as you correctly say, the fantasy takes over. But look into your fantasies. So much shame in our culture, right? It's like amazing, right? Porn is like a gazillion dollar thing, but like, no, we, we have shame around it. It's like insane how insane we are in this culture. I always call the American Taliban. It's like we just... Like, oh, those crazy Arabs over there, they're just like, we're so liberated. We have so much hang-ups around our sexuality. Go into your sexual fantasies. It'll show you where your power plays are. So the fantasy are the thing I don't have and I would like to have, or the thing that I, I experience as a negative pleasure I want to reproduce? All of the above. All of the above. It can be something that you don't have that you want, but usually it's actually the latter. You see where your thing is. For me, when I was training to be a healer, and I wasn't dealing with these things. I psychically had these psychic awakenings pretty young, 13, 18, 20. Um, and I used to work with like AIDS patients. It was like I would be in these amazing experiences. And I was pretty young then. I was like in my early 20s. Watching these beautiful men die was brutal, but it was also very opening because you're so close to the other side. So your heart's open. So I'd be in these very heightened states of oneness. And I would walk outside, literally sometimes in the Lower East Side, within five minutes be fist fighting with someone. I joke, I mean, I'm not shitting you. That's how big the split is. So I'd be in this open space, <sighs> helping someone, being there, really like my ego would melt. I'd be there, cry, it's so brutal, painful, but beautiful. I'd come outside because he wasn't healed yet. So I didn't need to sit down and do like dream analysis. I'd be sitting in a subway fantasizing about killing someone, literally. And I was a martial artist since I was a little kid. So 
I had the know-how. I mean, I have all the scars still. It's really crazy when you don't own that. Now, for me, I'm an extreme, but we all have the same thing. We just hide it better. So that fantasy thing, for some of us, we have to go deep. For most of us, it's on all the time. The person leaving us and then having that heartbreak. That can be a fantasy. Your lover fucking around on you and you having the heartbreak. That's a negative pleasure. It's incredible. It's like active in all of us. But you can't just say it's this or that. It can be many things. Um, what do I want to say to you? So, went through the manipulation techniques. I just want to go through this part. Some of the common destructive patterns that we do to avoid intimacy. So we kind of hit on some of them, right? Caretaker. That's a really destructive one. Looks nice externally. You can look at me and be like, oh, Abdi, such a great guy. He's helping this woman. I'm actually destroying this woman because I'm making her, I'm making me her higher power. And it's destroying her. And then she's having the same exchange. So she's like, oh, I'm really pissed at you because you're acting like you're my God. It's a very common thing in relationships, how we hide. That one's pretty clear. Um, the victim thing. So... We fall apart anytime our partner tries to call us out. You know, hey, Abdi, man, that wasn't really cool. I didn't appreciate how you said that in front of this person. Oh, <laughs> it's very common. You see that all the time. So I manipulate my partner by falling. So she's like, whoa, okay, dude, just, okay, that's no, cool. It's cool. The distance happens. So that's a very common thing. Men and women do it. Um, this is an amazing one. Kind of goes to the smoking thing. Forcing the other person to be like you. We're different. My path is not my wife's path. My wife's path is not my path. I've destroyed many relationships because I had such a zeal at wanting to find a divine since I was a kid because I was in so much pain. I would destroy these relationships. These women didn't want to meditate, mate. They didn't want to meditate. I can't believe you're not coming to this... 10 hours zen for 10 days and eating one carrot a day. You're a loser. It's like, dude, you're an asshole. Like, you're a control freak. I don't, I don't want to sit that. Not to mention that habit just like buggered three boys. So why the hell do I want to come? Right? Like, these women would see things I wouldn't even see. That we kind of meet these spiritual teachers were so off, but I was so like, I have, to, I have to push this away. They were like, that guy is really off. Sure enough, they'd be off, of course, six months later after... I get totally betrayed and destroyed. The other person doesn't have to be like you. As long as you have mutual respect, that's all that needs to happen. But we try to force the other person. Spirituality, playing golf, whatever your thing is. So that's a very important thing. But it's very powerful in spiritual circles. We really try to force the other person. So you today, just not wanting to bring your partner here, is like, great, you came. You didn't have to force your partner to come. Are we ready to kill that person, Tuna? Because the phone's going off? That's quite okay. Um, putting the other person down to push them away. Right? It kind of ties into the same thing. I can't believe you, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe you're like this. You're too young. You're not enlightened enough. You're not. So these are like common techniques. We do them with friends as well. Um, fight, fighting or anger as a way of relating. So it's amazing how people actually have these relationships that are based on anger. They don't know what to do when there's not fighting. So, please. This statement, um, you've got a lot of catching up to do. Mm. What's there? What's there? Yeah. It's total abject fear of the part. The, the question is, what is, when you say to someone you have a lot of catching up to do? It's the abject fear we have of our own inadequacy. Whenever I pass a judgment on someone, 
Remember that saying, if a finger is pointing at someone, you got three fingers pointing back at you? Whenever you're looking around here and something with someone, someone's glasses you love or hate, someone's shirt, it's you. So whenever someone passes judgment on you, they're saying to you, that's an aspect of myself that I don't accept. So you have a lot of catching up to do is my own fear, because it's not okay to be where we are. So I want things to speed up. Right? They're not accepting you where you are, but more importantly, they're not accepting themselves where they are. You can, you see, you can accept people only when you accept yourself. So it's never about the outside. If I'm okay with my own inadequacies, I'm okay with your inadequacies. If I'm telling you, hey, you're inadequate, because I'm saying, like, I'm inadequate and I'm really scared of it. So it's the hot potato I'm going to pass to you. You follow? Whenever you pass judgment on someone, it's about you. You look around here, this person is too fat, this person is too skinny, this person is too young, this person is too old. It's you. Some aspect in yourself you haven't accepted. Does that answer your question? Okay, so how's everybody doing? Burnt out a little bit? You okay? Sure? We can keep going? A couple more things. Um, healthy relationships. So you take responsibility for yourself. The 50-50 thing. That thing of like not passing judgment on the person. Get some outside help when things are great. So some of you here are just in relatively new relationships a year or two. Beautiful, great time. Go. Three times a year. Don't have to spend millions of dollars. You're just out of a relationship and getting into a relationship. Go. Get some outside help. We're all blind. There's a reason it's called the unconscious. You can't see it. Again, everybody nods their head. The unconscious, no. The man or woman nodding her head is not the man or woman who's in the relationship. Um, focus goes on you. That kind of takes the power struggle out. Difficult, not easy to say, obviously. But the power struggle thing is because you're not putting the focus on you. Even if your partner is hammering you, you don't bring enough money, you don't bring enough money. You don't do enough work, you don't do enough work. Focus goes on you. What part of you is having that judgment towards yourself? Um, I was just reading this shadow thing. You know, you all know I'm into the shadow thing because mine is about as big as an Empire State Building. Um, I was reading this um, website on this very famous person who does shadow work, and it was so interesting, the misunderstanding in our culture on shadow. So one of the things this person was saying was um, how to overcome the shadow. You don't overcome the shadow. You integrate the shadow. We're trying to overcome these things. You understand? So it's such a simple word, but it betrays our misunderstanding culturally. We're trying to overcome it. We keep it at bay by judging it, and we don't, because we don't want to own it. It's us. You know, the Arab-Israeli thing. They're similar people. That's why they're doing that. Yes, I understand the long-term, I understand, but just notice how similar those cultures are. We do that. We do that culturally with the Taliban, with these Arabs, whatever the outside is, right? The Irish, and you see the Italians, you see, that's all shadow projection. So that's an important thing that we do in relationship. Own that part of you. Something is pissing you off in your partner, that's you. You don't have to love it. Actually, you don't have to like it, you have to love it. Let's put it that way. Right? Somebody can be just really like annoying to me. I don't have to like that person, but I have to love them for the unity of it. That doesn't mean I'm going to spend every Christmas with them. It just means like I have to accept that part in myself. 
So I can be like, dude, you're an asshole for doing that, but I've got to own that part of me that's an asshole, that's judging you as being an asshole. So hold your humanity, hold the higher space. Don't escape into the higher space. It's all one, man, till you experience it. And don't get lost in down here. We're all separate, I'm going to kill you, power struggle, blah, blah, blah. It's that bouncing back and forth. And it's very addictive to get stuck in one or the other. Um, what do you guys want to talk about? I can talk about a couple of more things, but if you want someone to talk about, we've got a couple of minutes. Any questions? Please. Fear of being yourself. Say it again. Fear of sort of being the real you yes. because you're afraid the person will leave. Yes, beautiful. That's actually so profound what you just said. So what she said is, what about the fear of you being you and the other person is going to leave? I'm so glad you brought that up because I forgot about this point. It's so common in relationship where men or women will actually manipulate the situation to put a poster of themselves up for the person to like them as opposed to showing the real them. The intention behind that is fear because I'm not good enough. The ending result will always be the person abandoning you. So remember, when we go into something out of fear, you're going to get what you put in there. I'm not a new agey guy. I'm just telling you what I see clinically over and over. It's not one of these secret things. Hey, man, you know, it really is. If I put that out there, that's what's going to come in. So whatever we fear comes back, not as punishment, as your consciousness trying to teach you there's nothing to be afraid of. So if I'm afraid of my helplessness, which I was, over and over, I would hide it, right? So I'd martial artist, racer, badass guy, I can kick anyone's ass, blah, 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 blah. Okay? I'd be in these relationships, I would constantly be forced into my helplessness because these relationships would break down. Because as, you know, I'm a healer, I've been a healer a long time, I couldn't heal these women. So because my fear of my helplessness was they were helpless, they would totally break down every time. I'll tell you an exercise with the fear thing, by the way. So I'm a total gearhead, I've been driving since I was 13 years old, racing, Almost got killed in a car accident by this knucklehead when I was 18. So, control freak, racer, love cars. It's an amazing exercise for me to sit next to my wife when she's driving, she's a great driver, and shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's one of my exercises. It sounds simple, right? It's not easy. I can place a car at 160 miles an hour on a dime. No great feat, I've just been doing it since I was little. I have that kind of control over a motor vehicle. My wife might be a foot here, foot I'm just like, man, just relax. That's one of the ways I practice helplessness. It's taken seven years. We just had a long drive, two hours today, and I was really proud. And even once, I didn't say anything. And not only I didn't say anything, I wasn't like trying not to say anything. I was just trusting. I was like, man, just chill out, dude. Just chill out. And I didn't do my one-hour pranayama or practice, or I just was like sat in the car. I was like, can you just chill out? These things sound simple. Practice them. Find something in your life where you feel out of control. Sit there and practice the fear. Practice the way you want to control everything. Simple, really hard. Capiche? Burning questions. Um, a couple more minutes. I actually want to do a little closing meditation. I want to tell you a couple of um, examples. This is a really powerful one. There's this one couple I've been treating, uh, well, no, one couple. I'm treating the woman for about seven or eight years now. This is a very radical example of this, kind of goes back to your fear question. They go back and forth. This is very common. One of them is really into the other one. The other one pulls away. Because when the person is coming forward, it's scary. So you pull back. 
Then the person pulls back, now it's safe, then the other one comes back. This has been going on seven or eight years to the point of, we're going to get married, then I don't want to hear you, trying to date someone else and coming back. This is very common, so watch that in yourself. When a person's unavailable, that's why we're into the unavailable ones. It's safe. You're unconscious, like, oh, man, I'm open, man, I'm love, I'm Gandhi reincarnated. Love this person. Then the person goes, hey, let's hang out sometimes. Whoa! You run the other way. Seven years I've been watching this. This happens to all of us. So in that initial phase, for those of you who are newly in relationship, for those of you who've been 18 years married, you've got to work on going deeper. Just because you've been married 18 years doesn't mean you're skimming the surface, I guarantee you, because we're all skimming the surface. Work on going deeper. Same with friendships. Work on going deeper. So when you experience that sense of separation and unity and mm-hmm. that back and forth, mm-hmm. how do you reconcile I'm in that place of where I've been kind of pushed away right now? So how do I reconcile the owning where I am, not pushing them away or invading their boundary that they put up? Mm-hmm. How do I come back into contact with them to be able to bring this little nugget that I've taken from today into that space? Okay, beautiful question. Dangerous words. Not your words, our words. So, he's saying basically, how do you basically go from this place of closing, opening? First of all, understand, just like you're breathing and exhaling, everything has a contraction and expansion. The addictive mind wants everything in this constant expansion. You ever, I don't know, you guys don't look like you've done drugs before, but I'm sure if any of you ever done drugs, you never want to stop. Because you want the expansion to keep going. Same with food. That's why you don't stop. You want the expansion to keep going. You've got to get into the contraction part. It's not pleasant, but if you surrender into it, it kind of comes in. That's the blues, right? So when you kind of listen to the blues, at first you're like, why is somebody just like crying for like an hour? But it's actually pleasurable. So first of all, understand the dance in life, contraction, expansion. But to answer your question more directly, the focus has to be on you. So you check yourself. You don't put the focus on the other person. So your partner might be in a fight with their parents. She might be having her cycle. She needs space. You got to deal with your own feeling of like, oh my God, she's abandoning me. Oh my God, my needs aren't met. So then you call your mate. You go, man, I'm really hurting right now. Can you just listen to this? You don't, you don't force the other person. And then they'll come around. So you have other areas where you get your needs met. It might be your meditation cushion. Might be a friend, might be a movie. So this thing of we're going to get our needs met from one person, that's that romantic thing that's so fed in the West, which is all, listen to the music. There was a time when I really got into the codependency. Must have been like my 19th marriage or something when my heart was broken. And I was really listening. Now when you listen to music and popular culture, it's all codependent. It's all, my happiness depends on you. You left me so I'm devastated. That's bullshit. But we can say it's bullshit, but we really believe it. So same with friendships. So have other places where you get nourished. Right? And then fun. Like you got to bring the fun into the thing. Like people don't have fun. It's like, why are we together? Let's do fun things. What are some fun things? Then you have to agree on what fun things are. But get that energy moving. And you can always go deeper. Answer your question? Anybody have a question back? Yes. Everything to me, and now I'm married almost 13 years on Monday, 
and it's like I've been working to try and open up the relationships with friends, so I can. But it seems like I must be working at it the wrong way because I'm not succeeding. Well, Mazel Tov, they've been married 13 years. That's amazing. Um, the all or nothing thing is always addiction. Whenever those words come out of my mouth, or I've learned that it's an addictive process, so always check out the all or nothing. Because that binary system is addiction. You gotta, there's a big gray area there. Investigate the gray area. It's not that you're doing things wrong. It's amazing. Just go into that gray area you haven't visited. The fact that you can verbalize it as such and you realize it's a problem means that the solution is right there. Because most people aren't even aware. So the fact that you can pose that question means that there is a solution there. So again, go inside and ask yourself. And it's not about right or wrong. There's really no one way of doing these things. It's as different as the clouds in the sky. Find with your inner knowingness. Now sometimes we don't change it because it threatens our partner. You're, you go outside and the partner's going like, what about me? You have to then be okay with holding that fire being thrown at you. Right? So when you're a caretaker, which most of us have a bit of that, that's a very hard thing to hold. But the only way the relationship nurtures, remember, the relationship will only work if you put the focus on you. It sounds so simple, it's so difficult to do. It's so hard. Whether it's blaming the person, whether it's taking care of the other person, torturing the other person, feeling like you're being tortured by the other person, the focus isn't on you. Okay. Let's go inside and close this from a little quiet place. Any burning questions? Anything? Go ahead. The nature of universe from... Situation that I'm in, you know, romantically, it's like, well, you know, you can look at it this way, you can look at it that way, but I'm always, I always seem to get the same results. So, mm-hmm. like, how do you, you know, how do you stop the, you know, master manipulation in the brain and start like listening more to the heart? So the question is, the patterns keep repeating over and over. How do you change that? That's for all of us. So part of it is to work externally with a therapist, which I know you do. Part of it is to really go into a place of humility and every day ask, show me. And then ask more accurately, show me more closely. Then ask more accurately, show me more closely. Put a notebook next to your bed. Don't take no for an answer. The universe, the conscious, this is you. This is me. It will answer you. Learn how to knock on that door. And also, look at the way that you're getting high off that. So, don't just look for a different way, which do. Also, what are you getting out of it? What did I get out of it? From 17 years old, being with the same woman, whether she was this color, that color, this, it was the same woman. What was I getting out of it? So ask the question from all these different angles. You follow what I'm saying? So what is your needs for it to be like that? That's all of us. And keep going from different angles. But keep asking and see what you're getting out of it. What is the unconscious negative pleasure for the same pattern coming in? Right? So for, answer your question. Yeah. So for me, helplessness, helplessness, helplessness. First one, I can be like, oh, bad luck. Second one, I can be like, oh, those Orientals are crazy. Third one, I can be like, oh, those girls from the Midwest, man, they're just too much farm cheese and drives them nuts. By the fourth one, I'm like, okay, dude, you got to look at this. This is the same woman. And it takes time. Don't get disheartened. For me, because of my family wounding, I've never wanted anything more than a relationship because I never had that, 
right? So at 40, whatever, almost seven, I'm going to cry just saying that. I've sought that. It wasn't until 40 when I finally met someone. It took another year to recognize it. In the middle of that, I almost walked away from it because it was so different than what I had experienced that I thought it was boring. Because I was raised in Vietnam during the Vietnam War. I knew grenades and being shot at. That was home. To be upstate New York where there's like deer running around, that's like boring, man. So I throw a couple of grenades in once in a while, get the AK-47, throw a couple of rounds. And my wife is like, you're crazy, dude. But I'm hanging in here with you. Whoa. So when the other comes in, it's really different. It's really crazy, boring, scary. I can check off the things. Get bored. And remember, if it's similar, run the other way. If you're repeating the same pattern, if it's similar, run the other way. The fear question, if it feels similar, run the other way. But it's boring. How do you stay in it? Ah, okay. Beautiful question. So last question because (laughs) now it's getting exciting again. They're going to kick us out of here. If it's boring, how do you stay in it? All of you here, I'm sure, have had an addiction at some point to sugar or something like that. And you went to eating carrots. Have you ever had something? So when you go from eating something like sugar, come on, it's pretty awesome. Even us with the biggest eating disorders, which is probably all of us in this room, sugar is awesome initially. Then you go through eating not sugar. It really is weird to the taste buds, right? But you learn how to hold that taste. It might take three months, six months, then you feel good. Then you actually have a piece of baked broccoli, and you're like, damn, this is amazing. Then you have a piece of sugar, you're like, whoa, headache, liver hurts. You have to learn tolerate what's healthy. So that's a beautiful question, what you're saying. It's boring initially. right? For me, because of my experience, I used to feel alive at extremes. Riding a bike at 160 miles an hour, jumping out of the plane, full contact fighting. I felt alive. You can only do that so long before you either burn out or get killed. So to actually start stepping back from that edge and feeling alive of sitting in a room with lovely people, that, that takes time. I'm not saying it's going to take you 100 years, but it takes time. Clear on that? Let's go inside, beautiful people. Drop your breath. Feel this. Now feel this little bit of anxiety, excitement in your chest, so let's breathe it out. One more. Very slowly, feel the body. We're going to start with the crown chakra, top of your head. Gently pull it into your body. through the top of your head. Feeling the head, the jaw. The neck and shoulders. Feel the chest and just Open or close your heart chakra to where it's comfortable before you walk outside this space.
Feel the belly soft. Feel the spine. Pull the root chakra up from the base of your spine slowly into your body. Feeling your spine strong. Hearing the sounds outside. Let's make that intention again to remember who we are. To keep the focus on ourself. For every cell in our body to vibrate with the truths that become evident to us in everyday life. Gently and lovingly letting go of our masks. giving thanks to be in these bodies in these times of great change, inviting joy amidst all this work that we're doing, and praying for our brothers and sisters, the animals, the four-legged ones, the winged ones, the fish, the standing people, the trees, which is all us, to vibrate in that joy and remembrance. And as we ask, so it shall be and so it is. Gently come back in the room, be in your body, empty your bladders that you've been patiently holding. Ground yourself before you step outside. It's, I feel how open you are and it's beautiful. Honor your braveness for sharing. Get the hell out of here. <laughs>